I found myself uh, excited to be here today as we uh, kind of change directions from our uh, typical series that we've been in. Uh, we come together to celebrate uh, the most wonderful time of the year, the true meaning behind that. Uh, and, and Christmas is a story that we are all familiar with. Uh, I'd like to share with you a few truths um, in this Christmas story. And uh, we, we start with a miraculous pregnancy. Uh, but this one may be uh, a little bit different than the one that comes to mind. We're going to start in Luke chapter 1. And so uh, if you will follow along in your Bibles or Bible apps, however you prefer. Uh, verse 5 in Luke 1 says this. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. And so if you are uh, following along on the back of your bulletin, uh, you'll see the outline for today's message. And the first thing that I would like to share with you today, the first thing on your outline, is that God has a plan. God has a a plan. Would you, uh, would you say that with me? God has a plan. Let's say it one more time. God has a plan. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to, uh, to say that here in just a little bit. I'm going to ask you to remember that. So um, what am I going to ask you to remember? Uh, you guys are awake. Uh, you morning people, I tell you what, at the early service. God has a plan. And so we have just met Zacharias and Elizabeth. And notice that Zacharias and Elizabeth, they're both described as righteous and blameless, but they had a huge obstacle in their lives. They had no children. Now in this culture, uh, this was humiliating and a huge financial burden for the wife. Uh, as a rule, women didn't own property, and therefore their kids would take care of them if their husband passed away. A childless woman would have been left destitute, depending upon the handouts of anyone who would give them. But what's the, the first thing that we need to remember this morning? God has a plan. You're paying attention. That's good. As we read those verses, it's really easy to miss the fact that God's plan for Zacharias and Elizabeth was set into motion thousands of years before we met them here in Luke. Uh, first, note the location, where they were. Uh, it was in the hill country of Judea, uh, probably close to a, a region called Hebron. Uh, some 1,500 years before Zacharias and Elizabeth, in the book of Joshua, a man named Caleb conquered this land and the giants that lived there. He was fearless because he trusted and was faithful to the Lord's instructions. Caleb set out a portion of this newly conquered territory as a habitation for the Levites or the priests. Secondly, note the lineage here. Uh, of Zacharias. In, in the verses we just read, verse 5, there was in the days of Herod, king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. Now, Abijah was a Levite. He was of the priestly lineage. And so, even though these two elderly, godly people didn't know it, God's plan had been in motion for centuries. 
And God decided to let Zacharias in on it in a very specific place, according to Luke 1.11, at the right side of the altar of incense. Now this was a very holy place, the second most sacred place in the temple. Second only to the Holy of Holies. The altar of incense was where the, the priest would offer special incense to God every day at sunrise and sunset. The priest was chosen by lot, a rolling of the dice, so to speak. And even in that, we see that God is sovereign because his plan put everything into place to choose Zacharias for this exact moment to make this trek to Jerusalem. It was his duty as the priest to be at the right side of the altar of incense this very day. Let's pick it up in verse 7. They had no child because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both well advanced in years. And so it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. And then the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So the one prayer they had likely prayed for decades was finally being answered as they asked. Now, if we've been around long enough, we know that God's timing is not like ours. And if we're, if we're honest, we know that His timing is better. His timing is perfect. He, he does answer prayers, but even more important than that, he has a plan. And church, we probably need to hear this. The next blank on your outline. Maybe decades of prayer is part of his plan. Maybe decades of prayer is part of his plan. Because in those prayers, we learn to trust the only who can answer them. As, as this most unusual birth story continues, we see this miracle baby boy would be the forerunner of the Messiah. He is preparing the way for Jesus. Look at verse 18. Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. Now, we don't know exactly how old this couple was. Uh, well advanced in years is just a really nice way of saying the childbearing ship had done sailed. Zacharias's reaction is one that we might expect. He was skeptical. He's been jaded by all the years of bad news. He just can't see the good news. Verse 19 uses the word tidings. And it basically means breaking news. And if you're like me... When you hear breaking news, uh, you, you, we've seen 
so much breaking news that the next breaking news really doesn't get a whole lot of attention from us anymore. But most of the time when we see breaking news scroll across the screen, it's, it's bad news. We expect something bad. And it seems that Zacharias probably did too. But this was indeed good news. And to his skepticism, verse 19 says, The angel answered him and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and to bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple, but when he came out, he could not speak to them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned with them and remained speechless. And so it was, as soon as the days of his service were completed, that he departed to his own house. Now after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. So church, we can apply it to our lives Today, when you hear that word obstacle, what comes to mind in your life? For Zacharias and Elizabeth, it was the fact that they didn't didn't have any kids. But for you, it may be something completely different. There are many obstacles that we face in this world. It may be a besetting sin that you just can't seem to overcome. Uh, There may be... Obstacles with certain relationships in your life that you just keep coming up against. And maybe Christmas time is just a reminder that only magnifies those relationship struggles. Maybe for you it's work or maybe it's sickness. Whatever the obstacle you're facing is, it doesn't change the fact that God has a plan. And just like with Zacharias and Elizabeth, part of that plan may be you crying out to him in prayer. No matter if it feels like he's listening or not, we stand on the truth of what we know. That God is faithful, that his timing is perfect, that he has promised to to never leave you or forsake you. His plan will move forward and his plan is good. As the story goes... Elizabeth did conceive, a baby boy was born, and the moment Zacharias announced on his whiteboard, his name is John. The word says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit, his muteness was removed, he began to praise this miracle working God and to prophesy. Look what Luke 1, 68 and 69 says. This is what, these are his words. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. See, church, the, <clears throat> whatever your obstacle is, the greatest thing that God could do, he did by redeeming his people and sending salvation through his son. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He has raised a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. And until we get that solidified in our hearts, we will continue to live defeated and discouraged and overwhelmed by every obstacle that comes our way. Each and every believer in this room can testify 
That when we trust Jesus for salvation, uh, that relationship with God, it doesn't take away the obstacles in our life. God doesn't always answer our prayers like we would have him answer them. But he does give us strength to endure and to move forward and overcome whatever obstacle comes our way. Just like Zacharias and Elizabeth did. And this is why they were considered godly and righteous. And so wherever, wherever you are in your spiritual walk this morning, I can testify in my own life the truth that God has a plan, and you can trust His plan, and His plans are good. Okay, so what's the first thing I ask you to remember this morning? God has a plan. And, and you know what? That sounds really good. It sounds really churchy. Um, but number two may be even more important. Because it kind of ties it all together. Uh, He gives guidance. God gives guidance through that plan. So so repeat this after me. God gives guidance. See, church, even though he could, he doesn't just uh, set his plan into motion and say, okay, good luck to you. I hope everything works out. And we see this in the Christmas story. Uh, This miracle baby we just read about, he would grow up to be John the Baptist. He prepared the way for what comes next in the story, the Messiah. God guided Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem, where Mary delivered the Savior of the world, the King of the cosmos in the most humble place, among the animals, not just a way in a manger, the way in a manger. The greatest night in human history came complete with angels announcing to the shepherds this magnificent birth. And history tells us that Herod was king during this time. Now, Herod has been described as depraved, demented, and paranoid. And roughly two years after being evaded by these wise men that came bearing gifts to this newborn king, perceiving a threat against his family's hold on the throne... He intended to take care of it. Herod ordered the deaths of all the infant and toddler boys in and around Bethlehem, which would have included Jesus. But God has a plan, and he guides his people through it. An unnamed angel appeared to Joseph to warn him of this threat. Turn over to Matthew chapter 2, as we continue in verse 13. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word for Herod will seek to destroy this young child. So, let us not miss in the midst of this tragedy that was so far-reaching for so many families, where kids were murdered. The next blank on your outline, God spared his son so that he might spare you and me. His plan was in place Even now. Later in the chapter, verse 19, we see, Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life were dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee and came and dwelt in the city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. 
And so here we see God's long in place plan playing out. And while Joseph doesn't have a major speaking part in this story, and we really don't see him much after this, four different times in his short story, God sends guidance by way of an angel. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, I'm kind of thinking it'd be nice if God would send us an angel every time he wanted to tell us something. Write it across the sky in big, bold letters, right? I mean, that would be nice, but we know that God doesn't do that. But we can also know, as I quote Robert Morris, God loves to provide his people with direction and wise instruction, especially in critical moments of our life. That's what we see in Joseph's story. And so just let that sink in for a minute. In Joseph's story, we see a God who loves to provide his people with direction and wise instruction, especially in critical moments of our lives. And so the question becomes, are we listening? You know, I can get step-by-step guidance to get me wherever I'm going through this little device called a GPS. But if I don't listen to what it says, it does me absolutely no good. And so is our relationship with the Lord. How different would this story be if, if Joseph didn't listen to God's instructions? How different would this story be if Joseph didn't even recognize God's voice? Today, God still delivers that guidance. Now it's through his word, through other godly people in his lives, through the Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts, and sometimes even through dreams. God speaks God guides, God cares, and God warns. I think David understood that when he wrote Psalm 32. He said, you, God, are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. And God replied in verse 8, I will instruct you and teach you the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. David understood it. I wonder if we really do. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. It doesn't say He might. He will. See, the key to this guidance, the key to tuning in to this godly GPS is something that we see here quite often. It's intimacy with God. In order to recognize his voice, we need to be familiar with it. And we, come, we become familiar with his voice by searching in the word in order to receive God's guidance. We have to have hearts that are willing to listen. So, Is your heart willing to listen? Or would you say most of the time you just ignore God's voice? That's a pretty heavy question. If you haven't heard God's voice in years, it's probably because you ignored it the last time He tried to speak to you. Acknowledging Him in all your ways is the key. Psalm 23 says, Our God leads us in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And just like He faithfully led Joseph and his family, and just like He guided the wise men with the star to the very feet of Jesus, God will do whatever necessary in our lives to guide us. Most of us have used GPS before. 
Most of us have probably missed a turn and heard something like a recalculating route. But the beauty of this baby in a manger is that even, even when we make a wrong turn in life, God is there in His grace to recalculate our route. The next blank on your outline. It's a route that always leads to the feet of Jesus. God's route always leads to the feet of Jesus. Sometimes we try to avoid that, but he's always going to bring us back to the feet of Jesus. Maybe you're here today, and you're not even on the right route. You've never allowed God to take control of the GPS of your life. God is speaking. Are you listening? The message of Christmas today. What's number one? God has a plan. It is specific It's tailor-made just for you. And his plan brings you right to the feet of Jesus. Perhaps even more important, number two, God gives what? Guidance to navigate through his plan. His plan started back in Genesis, and we've been covering it for two years now. Just walking through and seeing the gospel from one cover to the next. The gospel took a major step toward fulfillment with the birth of Jesus. And in these truths is the spirit of Christmas. That brings us to the last thing on your outline. These truths should affect us. These truths should bring the same thing that we have been celebrating during the Advent season. And you can write these down. These things that Jesus brought with him. First is hope. If there's a secret pain hidden deep in your heart, if you've come to the very end of your rope, if pain and loss has left you hopeless, you can rest in the eternal and personal hope the king born in a manger so many years ago brings. Jesus brings peace. The next blank there. If every day leaves you weary in your heart, If sleepless nights are a given these days, if every decision seems somehow wrong, if every thought feels heavy with burden, our God offers peace that passes understanding that is found in this king born in a manger so many years ago. Jesus brings joy. If you open your eyes in the morning and only wish to go back to sleep because your day is so heavy, if everything in your past is filled with pain and doubt, if you know deep down that there must be more to life, our God offers joy. And it is found in this king born in a manger so many years ago. And today we see that Jesus brings love. If your heart thirsts, but the well of life has run dry, if you've been abandoned, rejected, and misunderstood, if you've been left empty, In your most desperate hour, if you stand in a crowded room but feel alone, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He is the Savior of the world. 2 Corinthians 9.15 says, Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Jesus is that indescribable gift. He is the one whom God's plan for each of us runs through. He is the light of the world. 
And if you don't know him, today could be the day of salvation for you. Jesus came to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And so we celebrate him in this Christmas season.